You're listening to Earful of Dirt, the Major League Rugby Podcast. We're live each Monday night on YouTube, available for download every Wednesday morning through your favorite podcast provider, and always online at earfulofdirt.com. Bringing you the latest news, views, and abuse from across the United States, here's your hosts. And we're live. Welcome to Earful of Dirt, the Major League Rugby Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm Corey Munson, coming to you live from Des Moines, Iowa. I'm joined, as always, by Aaron Castro in Arizona and Liam Poach in Salem, Massachusetts. Josh Fredlin is uh, behind the camera, helping us out with moderation. He'll be in the comments section all night, so be sure to hit him up with your questions, comments, just general abuse. He loves it. So... <laughs> Uh, yeah, guys. Uh, so there was a uh, rugby game this weekend. Uh, yeah, how you doing? Um, what what rugby game? What are you talking about? I was yeah, at, I, don't know. I, I was, was watching a, rugby. I don't I know what a, you guys were up to. I was to. at a multi day work conference. Yeah, I, I was watching <laughs> cribbage. Um, and if you watch the television coverage of that conference, you might have seen me somehow. Apparently. <laughs> uh. Well, um, you know, it was it was a long weekend. Just really got back to the house uh, to an hour ago. Um, we left San Diego a little bit later than we had planned, but that's okay. Had had a good brunchish type thing. Um, well, I woke up this morning awful, not crazy hungover. I think I've gotten this drinking thing down. I stayed with hard liquor on ice except for the three shots of tequila I had. Um, I know you. there are young people listening to this, so uh, I drink responsibly. Um, I got dropped off at the bar, and then I Ubered back to my hotel, so there was no like craziness going on. Um, a, I am also 30, and so drink legally. Okay, um, that, That's the other one. Uh, and it was, so Seawolves after party was a, how, how would I, how would I put this? It was a, a whole cheap, I would say cheap Hawaiian shirt party basically because I don't know where, uh, Brad Tucker and Matt Turner would be able to find expensive matching shorts to go with their shirts. If it wasn't like off Amazon. If that makes any sense. Um, so, so that was cool. Like that, that was really cool. Um, seeing that whole scene just sounds like a trip. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that that was cool. Uh, hung out with the, hung out with the champs uh, for the second year in a row after the game after a big game. I didn't hang out with them last year after the big game. I hung out with them after the semifinal. They're a great group of guys to you know share share drinks with and stories with and, and just talk about things, talk about the season and, and just go in depth. And, you know, it's like, I will say, you know, it's, it's really cool to find out when they, when they talk to you, it's like, Hey, you know, we really appreciate what you do. I was like, mm-hmm. you know, cause sometimes, you know, we're very harsh and, you know, for the most part, they don't care. like the guy, like the players on, on any team, at least in my experience, when we're, you know, talking, at a man-to-man level, they're they're just like, you know, we appreciate that someone gives a shit to provide any kind of media coverage because I was like, oh, wow, all right, so that was really cool. Um, yeah. uh, 
I've been told along the same lines before. The most complaints I've ever, like, or the the only complaints I've ever gotten was uh, an, an original mispronunciation of Jason Faana Anna Schultz's name um, on this podcast by myself. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much the extent. So, um, yeah, the game uh, was a big deal. Uh, if you haven't caught the live preview that we did on Saturday, I, I directed that which was a trip. Uh, you know, if, if you've got any critiques, um, I've already got a notebook full of stuff that we will fix going forward when we do live previews uh, next year. So don't, uh, don't worry. You can send me an email. Uh, not a big deal, but I, I, I do know that we have some more cons, but all in all, like we were trying to produce more live preview type uh content for uh the fans consumption at least on the mlr side and uh hope to be able to do that more uh this next season uh basically you know 2020 started today uh or really 2020 started yesterday after uh you know the shield presentation for anyone that works at the league office (laughs) and anyone who works for uh the league or in in liam's case it started three weeks ago um but uh yeah, it was that game. Oh man, I guess we'll get into it. But uh, there are. Are, are we going to get into it? Uh, do we? Do we have to talk about it? Let, let's just say. Let's talk the, about Game of Thrones. Let's just say. <laughs> let's talk yes. about. I, I will talk about the food I had. Um, this weekend there is a restaurant that I went to um a couple years ago when we went to watch the women USA women Eagles versus Canada. And it's in La Jolla. It's called Whisk and Ladle. It is a fancy, fancier place, but I will say that the service is the best. Uh, the first time we were late to our reservation, there ended up being, you know, some wait for us to get to our table. And uh, they brought by a flatbread, and I was like, no, we didn't order that. And, you know, the, the manager got, comes back and says, um, we made you wait for your table. So this is on us. It's like, okay, all right. Um, and then this time, uh, I, maybe, may, maybe Liam would take offense to this. I don't know. Uh, or maybe even Corey would take offense to this. But the bartender. I am very like, offended right now. The, mm-hmm. Not the bartender, but the waiter sort of dissected the kind of drinks I cocktails I usually have based on the two I'd asked about. And he's like, I see you're, I think you're more of an old fashioned like type of type of drinker. Is that, is that kind of correct? If, if you're into like the smoky spirits of that mezcal one is probably, you know, up your alley. It's like a, a Mexican sort of old fashioned. And I was like, wow. Okay. Um, let's go with that. Uh, mm-hmm. so, so that's as long, as long as long as you don't load your old fashions up with sugar. Yeah, no, that sounds good. Yeah, it was, it was. I mean, maybe. I mean, I have an extensive liquor collection. I don't drink a lot, uh, but I have. I just collect. It's it's weird, or maybe it's not weird. It, but uh, you know, I enjoy fine, fine things, and from time to time. So uh, maybe I'll get into mezcal for a while. I was trying to get into tequila when I was in the army. My uh, my platoon sergeant um, was really into tequila i'm i'm a big bourbon guy and i was trying to get into tequila at the time because we it was el paso right you're 
basically in Mexico. So, but uh, yeah, great weekend, uh, great game. We will dissect that. We will do a deep dive. Uh, I guess no, um, I'll cover that on the like when we when we talk about the game. Really, the the next point I was going to get, but but Liam, you um sort of covered the game in a different way. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so uh, I was I was able to join a lot of the members of the New England Free Jacks at the Greatest Bar on Friend Street in Boston, which is literally across the street from the TD Garden. So you know, great location to have that had to have that uh, watch party there. Uh, I gave some some pregame and halftime, and allegedly I gave a postgame uh, live video, as people tell me. Uh, yeah, it was it was a really it was a really great time. It was very it had a very Boston feel to it. A lot of the players brought their families to it. A few fans stepped in. In fact, there was even one guy at the bar. Um, he was a student from Dublin, and he had uh, he had played in a few of the leagues over there. Um, you know, not at the highest professional level, obviously, but he was really impressed with the quality of play that the Legion and the Seattle SeaWolves were able to put on display. Uh, he, he, you know, he said it was obviously not up to Pro 14 or English Premiership uh, type levels, but you know, who who would who would ex- uh, expect it to? Uh, like you, Aaron, I definitely, um, <laughs> I I, de- I definitely indulged on uh on on a few adult beverages. I am 24 years of age, not quite 30, but the hangovers <laughs> are definitely slightly worse than <laughs> they're starting when- to get. They're starting to get there. <laughs> They're starting to get there. Um, however, I have gotten really good at uh, at drinking water when uh, when, I, when I go out to the bar now. So uh, even the, even if it's not after every other drink, maybe every three or four drinks, but definitely you know I consume some water at the bar. Uh, and you know, kids listening, always always drink responsibly, like Aaron said. And uh, you know, ch- ch- having a glass of water at the bar after every two or three drinks, never a bad idea. Nobody notices. Nobody judges you. Uh, I lost my wallet on the train home. I, uh, so you, so, so this, this shows that you like the fact that you got on the train shows that you definitely paid your tab because you like had your card with you so you can buy. Oh, so, so, it. so I, I got on the train on in the Salem. Train. Yeah. I got on the train in Salem like around 3 PM, got a round trip ticket and I kept the tickets in my wallet. So like, so like you said, I my wallet getting onto the train to pull out the ticket but I think that's where it may have been lost. I, I have a bad habit of not of like holding on to my wallet in my hand, even when I'm sober. It's just for some reason, I just keep it in my hand after I use it. And that's how stuff tends to get lost. So, however, I think it was a good sign how, how much fun I had. And I was still able to uh, remember the game to write about it for you fine people later on, uh, later on the day. So... <laughs> Yeah, well, I guess I apparently was the only one not drinking this weekend. I'm the square of the show. <laughs> uh, you know, it was just a, it was a very special weekend, um, and so thank you to Major League Rugby, the league, and to the teams for for bringing us in on this, and not only giving us a very entertaining time, but giving us something to talk about here on Monday. So, so real quick, I just want to uh, before we get too far into the show, give a quick quick note of explanation. Uh, so you guys may have noticed if you're following us on social, uh, the last few days or well, starting today on Monday, and then it'll continue this week, only this week, we are asking you guys to chip in and help us out a little bit with the show. So no matter what happens this week, Earful of Dirt is going to keep going along. We're going to keep doing what we do, 
what we're saying is it costs a, a decent amount of money to go ahead and keep this show online and keep it going out to the podcast platforms. Um, fortunately, YouTube is nice enough not to charge us, but uh, everybody else does. So we'd appreciate a few bucks if you guys have a dollar or two, 20, 100, 5,000, whatever you guys have available. If you want to throw a couple bucks our way, it is only going to be used for web hosting and for you know, basic show operation stuff. Nobody's going to get rich off this. Nobody's uh, going to be making money off this. We're just going to pay for our hosting. We, so, we will not be buying any whiskey or any kind of other alcohol with no, your phones. I mean, I there, we have enough expenses when it comes to the show, unless, uh, you know, a generous benefactor, like Corey said, 5000 But if, if someone dropped 5000 I would wear a shirt with your face on it hey, every single week. I probably like. I I probably do. So Paul Santinelli, I'm gonna. We're gonna talk about that. But he's gonna. He's willing to cut off his mane. Okay. If if they raise fifty thousand dollars for the U.S. Women Eagles, so I would do some type of haircutting for you. <laughs> um. Yeah. If that. If someone gave us five thousand dollars, and yes, it it would not. I would no one would get paid off of that. Um, we are looking for sponsorships. So if you are not really willing to donate, but you want to look at us commercially, we are always looking for sponsorship to fund this show as well. So there you go. Yeah. So uh, you can get involved by going to our social uh, social medias. So Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. You can go to our website at earfulofdirt.com, or you can just email us at earfulofdirt at gmail.com for more information. Uh, we're using PayPal, and we're just trying to get a hold of uh, about $250 to uh, handle the cost of hosting the show for the next 12 months. So this is not a big deal one way or another. We're still going to keep doing what we're doing, but we sure would love it if you guys got involved and helped us keep doing what we're doing. And a quick shout out to our first uh, contributor. Jeff jumped in right away tonight and has already uh, thrown a little bit into the kitty. So thank you so much, Jeff. We really appreciate your support and uh, we're the, you're the reason that we're doing this stuff. So it's you all and for you, Jeff. Specifically you Jeff. you, Jeff. Exactly. So thank you so much. All right. Let me get rid of, uh, take care of the basic intro, and then we can get on with the show. For those of you new to the podcast, Earful of Dirt, we do this every single Monday night. We discuss news rumors from Major League Rugby, which is the United States Professional Rugby Union. It's a chance for us to look at the issues, hear from the league, players, team leadership, and to check in with our friends from across the U.S. rugby scene. With that said, Aaron, what we got coming up on the show this week? Uh, the Seawolves. Uh, definitely not kings in the north. They are kings. All of it. Of All Major of League it. Rugby. Of Major League Rugby. Back-to-back um, back yes, yes, they are from the north. Um, don't get me – like. It, it was interesting talking to Phil Mack. You know, he talked about how this was uh, – it was still a win for, for Canada too because of how many Canadians they have on their team. Um, so that was um, that was kind of an interesting storyline. But, yeah, they are the kings of North America. And they are, I think – well, I, we'll, I'll get into that part because it's cool color commentary uh, when we get to that. Uh, New York is ahead of the curve. Um, you know, it was rumored and then sort of announced that Matthew Bestoro was coming to the Big Apple. Uh, 
they held his signing ceremony, um, I believe, at the forget what hotel hotel mcgregor i think it was maybe I, I got that wrong but they did have a small event at the french consulate in new york as well and uh you know questions from bob sort of to to end the season i think we we may come back next week or uh the week after uh the the 50 man roster for the usa eagles for the preliminary world cup squad came out we can throw some stuff in next week about that because it, it really deserves its own time because it's a big squad of many deserving players and some questions but um we'll stick we'll try to keep it tight tonight well actually it won't be that tight because we're gonna do a deep dive um there you go we're already 10 minutes over uh like the like the, the, the schedule time on the script so yeah no, that, that's out the window <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. I have my ass sitting on a pillow right now getting comfortable. <laughs> I have a delicious, delicious gas station brownie that I'm just going to be slowly nibbling on. <laughs> yeah, it ain't tight tonight, baby. <laughs> All right. So um, I think we've screwed around enough. Let's go ahead and get into the yeah. game. So here it is. Got brownie champ all over my bed. <laughs> <laughs> Liam, just oh my god, just okay, do something with yourself. Seriously. <laughs> okay. Major League Rugby season two wrapped up on Sunday night with or Sunday afternoon, I guess technically, with just a heck of a game. And I mean, can you ask for a better way to appear on national broadcast television? CBS proper, not ESPN Plus, not CBS Sports Network, not, you know, third tier. Somebody put a website up and now we're going to show rugby. CB29news. Yeah. Channel9news.com, whatever the hell. Not Facebook Live, freaking CBS. Live on Sunday afternoon, right just beamed across the whole damn nation. They watched Seattle beat Seattle. San Diego, 26 to 23. Can you believe it? Can you dig it? Aaron, (sighs) talk to us, my friend. All right. So this, this, I mean, we're going to, I'm going to piss some people off today, but it's, it's all good. Uh, So this is is different than an average day. How? uh, Yeah. uh, (laughs) Well, I mean, not, neither the San Diego fan base nor the Seattle fan base is known as a particularly rabid or, you know, vociferous fan base, are they? I don't apparently know. apparently yeah. they I mean if you follow if anyone followed Twitter over the weekend. <laughs> yeah, they don't hold any grudges. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well not even grudges. There was some I mean we, we won't talk about that, but you know, y'all, um you continue to complain about Americans booing. You're just gonna you're just gonna piss the Americans off. I got ninety nine reasons why uh it's not a problem. <laughs> Uh, so, wow. Uh, so the balls on Joe Peterson. What are they? Globos Maximos. They're like basketball size, you know. Swollen. I, how how does he kick with those things hanging between his legs? I, I don't know. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> he made some great tactical decisions in this match. And then some also that – I guess you could say ended up costing them uh, part of the game. When you look, when you do an aggregate 
aggregation of all the inflection points. But, you know, those penalties, that drop goal, you know, to where it was like where I Liam will talk about some of the timeline stuff there. But at the end of the day, they they were up four points and uh, they got possession back and it required a, a turnover and a try for Seattle to win, which they did do. But we'll get there. Uh, there, there are some things overall I do want to get get through before we we actually laud the Seals because man they, they earned that and but sort of how a uh, how it happened in fashion for San Diego how they lost this game for the most part uh, there's only been one team um, in this league this year to be able to win games with more turnovers and more penalties than their opposition. And that was San Diego being the most penalized team in the league. Uh, The difference here though, is in general, Seattle became, I think, although they, at the beginning, they were leading the league in penalties, like through the first four games, they actually cleaned it up to the point where they were the most disciplined team in the league. Uh, But for this, like, let's just talk about turnover ratio. I think the only other team, the only other team that had the amount of turnovers that San Diego had or more was Glendale, and they finished sixth in the league. Uh, the fourteen to ten turnover ratio, uh, four of those turnovers, which they had five of those turnovers last week against New York, uh, they paid dearly. Uh, they lost four balls at the breakdown against uh, Seattle that were unforced turnovers. Think about that. Like, how does that, especially with where they lost the ball, they lost the ball when they were like two of them really good attacking possessions. And then Seattle was able to either score or burn like 10 minutes off the clock. Um, then we'll get into penalties. Surprisingly, and this, this has a lot to do with how Scott Green managed the game. Uh, five to four. Uh, in favor of the Seawolves. Uh, Scott really, and, and people have a lot to say about how he called the game. I don't know why, especially if you're a victor and in a final, you should probably not care about how the game was called because you, you just got a second ring. So I had a discussion with uh, one of the Seawolves fans um, this weekend on Sunday night about that. And it was just like, yeah, I don't, he's like, I, I don't understand why people are, not just rejoicing and being glad that they pulled something off that no team in Seattle has ever done, which is win two back-to-back championships uh, for in a, a North American major league. And uh, I think I said this, so that was kind of sort of a disheartening thing uh, for me uh, to see. Were there some calls that Scott Green missed? Sure. We had a TMO and they missed a huge call that, uh, where I think it would not have changed the game overall, but one of the things that San Diego wasn't able to do is if you look at the statistics, they like Joe Peterson, he had a good game, but he didn't have a Joe Peterson game on like a specific standard. One of those games that he has, usually he'll put up like 70, 80 meters carried. Uh, He'll get 10, 10 tackles. He got two. Um, in this one, 
Uh, they didn't miss a whole lot of tackles. In fact, both teams didn't miss a whole lot of tackles. Both teams missed under 20. Uh, Liam will talk about the, the ratio a little bit. Defense overall, like really good in this game. Uh, you know, San Diego, uh, I thought played really good defense in the first 20 minutes. And then it sort of, they played adequate defense the rest of the way. What, what happened was the seawall. We thought it was gone in parts of the season. And then like incrementally, They've started to build it back up, and defensively, the playmakers for Seattle got it done. Offensively, yeah, they definitely got it done. We'll talk about that. But I guess uh, one of the one of the ones that I would like to – so we talk about turnovers at the breakdown. That's what led to, A, that kick to touch in the corner. But what how we got there was, hey, they, they turned over the ball right there. But the final tackle that gave them that penalty was a high tackle by J.P. Duplessis. And, you know, a guy that's just been so good for them, they just needed to tackle correctly, and it probably probably would have been able to make it. But uh, to an extent, both teams had been getting away with high tackles because if you look at the penalty counts – you know, there was there was only three high tackles called in this game uh, overall. So, uh, and, and that has a lot to do with just letting the game flow and managing the game rather than, you know, trying to take over the game, just facilitate the way. And I would say the refs did not get in the way of rugby in this game. Uh, you know, you sort of saw it last week against New York. But one of the things that they didn't do was they didn't hammer enough. Like New York, against New York, they hammered and hammered and hammered until they broke that defense, and that's what, how they were able to win at the, at the end. And in this one, prob- mostly because they kept turning the ball over, they weren't able to continuously hammer uh, the, the Seattle defense. One of the things, even like in attack, if you look at how the San Diego defense played, you know, some of their defensive playmakers, Yasa Vera didn't have a good game on attack or on defense. Like a bunch of the, like JP Duplessis, usually he's, you know, hitting 20 tackles. Uh, Jordan Manahara, Saul Mooching, like these guys weren't, uh, they, they got neutralized somehow. And that has a lot to do with that game plan, uh, you know. If you look at these guys, like, so Lou Stanfield, tackle machine, right? Get four tackles. Josh Ferno, nine. That's Vermalua. I said two. I think it was like, so five. Saul Mouching, only eight. Uh, you know, even Patty Ryan, who's who makes a lot of tackles, had five. Uh, Ryan Matias, who tackles a lot, you know, seven. And... It, it, they just got neutralized, and it's. I, I really haven't had a chance to rewatch the game because, like, to to give myself a different vantage point. But that is really how how Seattle won this game. The was an inferior opponent wouldn't have been able to capitalize upon those 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 turnovers that San Diego gave them. So there's there was a lot of questions. I mean, I posted this on on Twitter. I didn't really post the law question. I just wanted to know how often uh, 
San Diego, Seattle uh, practices this line out. So if you go and watch JP Smith score back, you got to watch it a bunch. I think that the TMO got the call wrong on this because JP, JP Smith, not Duplessis, JP Smith started running before the ball came in. And where he was in the lineout, no one had faded off the lineout for Seattle. So they had more men in the lineout. Um, so that would be, I think, well, let me pull this up. Uh, law 18.16. Uh, uh, you know, if a team elects to have a receiver, the receiver stands between the five meter and the 15 meter lines, two meters away from their, their teammates in, in the lineout, but usually not where that is. And then participating, pay, participating players. So if the receiver comes in, you know, they have to change places sort of before the ball is thrown. So the he, he ran in before the ball was thrown and no one faded off, replacing him on the line as a receiver. And what does that mean? Well, that's just a penalty. And Joe Peterson gets a free kick and the ball goes back into possession for uh, Seattle. So I, I don't think, I think they got the call wrong, but I do not think that would have changed the game because the way the momentum was going, they were going to score with that ball in that, in, in that half of the, in the Eastern half of the end zone, the way they were driving. But I do think they got, that was the biggest call of the day that you could say was gotten wrong. Now you gotta be, to get that call right, like you gotta, like you have to know. And I think if I th- I've talked to a few refs and they're like, yeah, uh, that's probably how I would have called it anyways. Like that, that's just it was so fast. Like you have to watch it over. I had to watch. I had to watch that that play twenty times to get like the definitive. Did he start running before the ball was thrown? Because if if the ball's thrown and their timing is perfect, which is the intent here, the ball's thrown and you get there, you get on the line, after the ball's thrown, it's perfectly legal, and you disrupt the opposition so much, and they did, right? To where they can't tackle you and you score. So I think like that, the timing was we're talking like we're talking shaving hairs. Uh, with the timing. But like I said, I, I don't think if they made the call uh, correctly that it would have changed the result of this game, the way uh, Seattle were attacking to the point. I mean, you know, they get that kick to the corner, right? Um, in the late in the second half. And they just, they just sell out on that mall. They put 13 guys in that mall and, and, you know, like the uh, attacking wise, uh, San Diego just wasn't able to to do enough in in the right part of the pitch, and and that's how uh, Seattle won. They they did enough in the right part of the pitch to win the game. That's I mean that's that's how that's how this how, that's how close this game was. Three points. What did you do in the right part of the pitch? That is the story of this game and it like, I mean, my T my, I was like this on national TV. 
because <laughs> Joe Peterson kicks that, and you're thinking, oh, wait, turnover. Oh, high tackle, kick to touch. Oh, well, you know, it's over. Seawolves win. Like, you knew it was going to happen. It's crazy. Oh, yeah, no, that that mall was coming. And, uh, you know, what you do in the right part of the pitch, it's kind of a metaphor for life if you think about it. Or can't, I don't know, what what about rugby can't be applied as a freaking metaphor to life? Anyway, uh, for, for my spiel on this game, for the for most of the first half, uh, I thought San Diego possession pretty well. The discipline issues that made them the most penalized team in the league, they hadn't shown up quite yet. They were saving most of it for the second half, and y'all know how that ended up. Uh, but however, if anything, it was the it was Seattle in the first half who seemed to be getting in their way more often than not. I thought there was a lot of phases that seemed to just kind of end as just as fast as they began, which in turn kind of ended up robbing them of a lot of early momentum. However, I've been saying this whole season that you know Seattle is one of the most well-rounded units in the league. Uh, one thing I especially commend them for was utilizing the depth on their bench. They had five reserves, seeing 20-plus uh, minutes, one of whom, Eric Duchel, uh, he only saw 18 minutes, but whatever. He ended up scoring the game-winning try out of the mall at 80 minutes, or so it is listed on the official stat report. Um, another observation I originally thought going into this game, um, I thought it was going to be a big kicking game. And despite there being a you know somewhat decent amount, it definitely wasn't a big factor as some of the, uh, you know, as some of the tries that were eventually put down. Uh, as we saw, Joe Peterson began the night by taking the lead for the Legion, getting them out to a 6-0 lead before Stefan Coetzee uh, opened up the scoreboard for Seattle with a try around the 20-minute minute, minute mark. Uh, after that, the only scoring on the night for Joey P came with two conversions and what may have been an ill-timed drop goal. Um, personally, I think San Diego could have kept on the attack a bit more in, in that situation. They weren't that far out, and they had already proved capable of breaking through the seawall. Uh, I know in the Go Goal group, there was a little uh, talk that, you know, justified that kick. And, uh, you know, as Aaron explained to, they justified the kick by saying it forced Seattle to have to score a try. You know, it, it's it, there's the you see this all the time in football where a team goes up by four points. So now and the commentators are like, oh, it's a touchdown or nothing. Uh, that That's what it was. Unfortunately, the San Diego defense just wasn't able to uh, prevent that. Uh, however, I, I just felt like by watching the tape, I thought a try was imminent. And I thought Joe may have just may have jumped a little bit on that decision. However, from a championship spectacle perspective, uh, I'm kind of I'm kind of glad he did it. Uh, def, you know, uh, it, it was definitely something that I, I wanted new rugby fans to see because, you know, getting somebody getting off a successful drop goal is always, uh, you know, it always makes things interesting. Uh, the funny thing is, though, I expected to I expected Peterson to have a good game uh, kicking, but I really expected Staller to have a game kicking, especially with San Diego's aforementioned discipline issues. I just thought Seattle was going to get a ton of chances, and I thought that's how they were going to rack up all the store. Uh, they were that, or that's how they were going to, you know, eventually pull ahead. Instead, he just ended up slotting two conversions, I believe, and that was that was Brock Staller's nice kicking. Uh, for the head-to-head -head statistics, San Diego came away controlling 51% of possession. And uh, as Aaron was talking about what you do in the right part of the pitch, San Diego had a 62% lead in territory. So that means that means Seattle, they made all, what, what would that be, 38% of, of, of their time in San Diego territory. They made it count. Seattle, just under 500 meters at 493 on the night uh, with an average meters per pass of 43 
Seattle in that same metric, uh, not not too much better. 504 total meters accumulated with an average MPP of only 4.2. As Aaron mentioned, one thing that kept the Seattle uh, Seawolves in this game was 14 total t- turnovers from the Legion, including uh, including losing not one but two crucial lineouts while position. Uh, in regard to the completed tackles, 89% for Seattle, 87% for San Diego. Uh, meaning guys really had to work to gain their ground. Um, and that showed up with only three line breaks apiece to speak of uh, for both sides. So that was a big effect on the game's overall pace. Uh, in, in regard to pace, not exactly what you call champagne rugby either. Uh, San Diego ended up coming away uh, leading with a 53% quick ball rate, while Seattle only came away with a 33% mark in that area. But uh, as this old saying goes, and it certainly applies here, slow and steady wins the race. You know, as Aaron said, Seattle was able to get possession on a number of occasions and just kind of play that slow ball and kill the clock. And that's kind of what made San Diego run out of time in the end. You know, they it, it's great that they got that drop kick and they forced the need for a try from Seattle. But it was also in the same way that, you know, if Seattle got that try, there was going to be no no opportunity to answer. And that's exactly what happened. Let's see, uh you know, one of the craziest things, I mean, we've seen this in Major League Rugby this season before also, but one of the craziest things to see was that turnover in the mall mm-hmm. that uh, Seattle forced. And it was uh, – yeah, <laughs> that was impressive. Like, that mall was going, that mall was going, and then the and mall comes It's going the other way. And it's going <laughs> – it's going towards the the you know the you, east try zone. I was were like, you about to say end zone? Oh yeah, for sure. I, I heard that e. I heard that subtle. Well, soft. The, the the guy the the guy called in the game was called the the drop goal a field goal. So Jesus, there you go. I I, I remember one time like I, I was at SaberCat practice and I I was asking some question about like camera placement and I kept on calling the try zone the end zone uh, the end zone. Or the and, end, the end goal area. Te- yeah, no, no. technical term. Yeah, and yeah, Char- Charlie Connolly was the one to, was the first one to give give me shit. He was like, "I'm sorry, Pochi, what was that?" I was like, "the the end zone. What was that? End zone. What was the? Oh shit! Yeah, try it can end goal." <laughs> so the so, Americans. So shout out to all the fans out there who had no issues with Scott Green. Thank you. Thank you for being good people. <laughs> I was you gonna say, are, you're good people. You're you're good people. You but they're are. EOD fans, so of course they're they're slightly better than the average people. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so that was. Please donate. That, that was a crazy <laughs> one uh, that I thought was in, like really. I just there were parts of San Diego's game going into this where you're like, they, they're gonna have to fix this. They're gonna have to fix this, and and uh, I guess. Well, it, it, it's it's the whole pace of play that I was kind of surprised about. I thought that that was going to be San Diego's, uh, you know, ultimate windfall over Seattle. Uh, you know, because we know Seattle likes to play a slow, methodical game. But I just kind of thought that you know, with with, with the championship lights on bright, San Diego might just be able to open up their offense a little bit more and break that seawall. Again, I thought Joe Peterson was going to have a bigger night kicking. Uh, yeah, but that that just wasn't it, the case. They, they, you know, like the, that 53% what, quick ball rate did, did... What they were able to do to just neutralize playmakers uh, for, like, neutralize San Diego's playmakers to make it where, you know, JP Duplessis has, you know, under 80, 80 meters made, uh, 
you know, a bunch of those forwards have under 50 and you're just wondering what the heck's going on. And that was, that was the impressive stuff. I couldn't, I really couldn't believe that. Uh, that that's, you know, seawall defense. That's, that's some great stuff. Uh, I was, I was really impressed and, and the physical intensity of this game, you know, it was the physical intensity. Now, as far as the event was concerned, the event was off the chain. Um, the Legion had 6,000 like, plus people. Baby. So the Legion, so you go into the plaza at Torero. The Legion had a bunch of food options when you're right there. Uh, if you wanted to, all food the, trucks. All, that's that's the way to do it, baby. Yeah, food so trucks. You, so you had. Uh... <laughs> well, well, once again, fans, there's a conversation going on in the sidebar that just proves we're, uh, hor- we're, we're the horrible yeah, people. Yeah, here. I'm trying to lose. I'm trying to lose weight too, man. <laughs> But uh, and then they had this uh, they had they had this band. I, f- I forget what they were called, but they were like in those really short, like nineteen eighties track shorts with like the really like nineteen eighties track, uh, team tank top. And they were it was a cover band. It was they were funny. And then like all a lot of the covers, um, they replaced whatever like the keyword was with rugby, um, in it. So that was kind of cool. Uh. Uh, you know, welcome it was, to uh, the hotel rugby. Something like way that. better yeah. than the original song. Yeah, and then uh, like the entrance was really dope to where they announced like each individual player going in, like and you know fireworks and fire and taking in like sort of in the European sense, uh, in the in the European sense, taking uh, you know young children. Uh, out onto the pitch uh, for every single player got to, you know, held the hand of a, a little kid uh, that, that plays rugby locally, which you see a lot in, in European games, giving it, you know, giving it the championship feel, like giving those kids the uh, just, uh, you know, something to look up to, which is really awesome. Uh, and like, I, I don't know if any other team could have pulled off this awesome of an event. It was, it was awesome. Like this, this is, it, it, it was great. I, the standard, I mean, I saw, I thought last year's final was really good, but this blew, like, as far as like what San Diego Legion did as the host, like they blew it. And Oh man, the game program. So I have a, somewhere in my house now I have the, the MLR championship series or MLR final flag. They had about 1,700 of those. They were giving those out. So that was cool. Uh, and San Diego Legion was giving out towels. So that's cool. Aaron, oh, do you know how many, um, how many lead changes there were in this game? Cause, uh, cause like I, I was just thinking like, you know, what made this game so exciting compared to last year? And I think it was, uh, I, I had this, I had this pulled up. Um, it's. I mean, look at this. Jo- Josh is telling um, me three in the sidebar, and I think that's correct. I think it might be. Give me one second. There, there's so so so, so, the, so there's the two Petersons. Um, you know, uh, uh, penalties to begin the game. That's six. Yeah. thing. There's there, then there's Stefan's try. Um, that's seven to six. Um, yeah. So three lead changes. Yeah. Um, they happened at the twenty second minute. The sixty-fourth minute and the eightieth minute. So there you go. 
Hmm. Yeah, no, so that, that's exactly what we want out of a championship game. Both teams had a chance. There's, you know, a little volleying back and forth for both fan bases to cheer for. Yeah, no, that's absolutely the mark of a, of a broadcast that hopefully broke one million. Um, I think we're uh, – so the, the overnight rating, which I, I haven't seen. I've only seen the, the excerpt from Sports Business Daily. Uh, I think it was 0. 0.5. Uh, but I don't have – yeah, that's uh, it would be three point point four. So it would be three because you don't really no one's in the lead at zero zero, you know. Um, and uh, so point four, I think that equates to something between when I it should be out tomorrow, like the full scorecard from Showbuzz Daily. They do they do a great roll up uh, on ratings and. Uh, I think it's that means like eight hundred thousand. But I was on the ground. CBS guys were talking about it, and uh, it, it it was the second highest national broad rated broadcast of rugby in U.S. history, behind USA versus All Blacks in twenty fourteen. Yeah, that's when they sold out Soldier Field, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that so think about that. Like that, as far as when you're comparing it to rugby, some people are like, oh, lackluster. Um, you know, it, the, CBS was all about it. They were all about it like that. They were like talking press releases and that, that stuff will come out, uh, really soon. And we'll, we'll talk about how well it did because, you know, it's a, it's a father's day event and the major father's day broadcast is, uh, is, is the U S open. Like, uh, you know, that's what a lot of, a lot of dads in America watch with their sons. Cause you know, we don't really watch too much golf in this country or at least, I mean, we all watch the masters. Come on. Come on. Yeah. But the masters at this point is just like a drinking, like event with your <laughs> friends. Are we just but, alcoholics um, or, or like, is, no, is that I'm a just, thing? Like, <laughs> I don't, well, Hey, I don't drink during the week. Like ever. Um, well, yeah, I know what the ratings were for the U.S. Open. It was the highest rated thing on Sunday. So, uh, um, what what else was – I mean, really, uh, really there wasn't – I mean, it was it was an amazing game. So, I mean, that's really – It was solid American rugby. It was it was a great weekend. I, I cannot – nothing really to – say about I, I so let's move along and uh get into uh i guess this tasty thing or maybe it's a thing that eats tasty stuff yeah <laughs> socle bleu well it's french whatever it is i think is that's kind of what we're getting to so yeah um the big the big signing news uh because we're already talking about 2020 baby mm-hmm. uh <laughs> before uh, before the championships even buried yeah we're on to uh talking signings so rooney welcomed uh their first signing of the for the next season and uh aaron can you help me here cuz i have no idea how to say this matthew bestero bestero so Matthew Bastard yeah. is joining uh, Rooney. <laughs> oh, God. It's okay and, to make fun of them. They're French. Uh, uh, Liam, tell us a little bit about this guy. He's one of a unit. So Matthew is a big dude. Uh, yeah, so he clocks in around at uh, around uh, 6'2", 270 pounds. 
I've been watching some of his some of his highlights, and for a guy who clocks in at at, at that size and that weight, he can move just as well as he can tackle. Uh, I think this is exactly the kind of guy who's going to put New York uh, New York's attack over the top, assuming they reta- retain some of their key pieces from this year. But they definitely needed a little bit more of a physical presence, particularly inside the twenty-two, which is where I feel like they 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 got stalled up a lot this season. And I think finish, uh, you know, being able to finish certain drives like that without the need of a Cahill Marsh or uh, Connor Wallace Sims line break is going to do wonders for them. And uh, that's that's a lot. He, he should be getting paid close to the league maximum on a contract. Uh, I mean, so in the Martin Pengelly piece. Said what he was getting paid, just forty five thousand dollars. That is that would set the market at max contracts for a non-player coach. Um, player coach salaries are, of course, a little bit higher than that. But holy moly, uh, that is a lot of money. Um, when you think about what the cap was this year, it was four hundred and fifty thousand dollars. So that's ten percent of your cap. Uh, is he is Matthew Bastero that guy? Is he going to score 10% of their points? Maybe. Maybe. Uh, I don't know. Um, but um, interest. I mean, it. Uh, he'll be fun to watch. That, that, that I can guarantee. So for some context, um, then this guy is a legitimate star. I mean, he is playing yeah. professional. Oh, no, in they, we're talking about like a, a club captain from Europe, like a current club captain, a guy who is a key he's only cog. 28 27 28 i think he's 30 but still like he's like in his like prime right mm-hmm. now so this is sort of a rugby sabbatical i guess exactly 30 he oh man he's a month and a half older than me he's a big boy um but uh soon as prime you get a big name, usually guys like this, if, if they're going to take some time off, they go to Japan and they play in the top league. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's coming here because he wants America for some reason. America. Which, which, which is cool. I'm, I'm trying to think of a comparison. Like if an NFL player decided to go play in Canada, I'm, I'm trying to put like, just to put this in a, a little bit in perspective. Like I don't want to say Antonio Brown, even though, even though the, they're the same age, but because that's a little, that, that might be giving him, a, giving him a little too much credit. I would, I would say like probably the equivalent if like Adam Thielen from the Minnesota Vikings went went to play in the CFL. Sexual Thielen. <laughs> no, no one gets that. All right, cool. No. Well, I mean, I get it. I've heard the song, but <laughs> <laughs> but it's also just like. Born in 1995, too. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh, you kids! It's yeah, it's ridiculous. You shouldn't be born in the 90s. You should be rocking out to Nirvana in the 90s. Yeah, man. Sorry. Uh, okay, okay. <laughs> calm down. Go back to your box. <laughs> uh, real quick, uh, live updates here. Quick shout out to John for uh, throwing into the pot, wow. for helping us out. So we've got two donations, Jeff and John tonight. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank, Thank you guys so much. so much. Thank you, John. We really appreciate it. We'll, we'll continue shouting people out who donate too. This, yeah. this won't stop. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. 
Okay, so uh, let's, let's let's look at this uh, one more time. Let's go ahead and look at our, our successes and our failures as far as our predictions go. So this time around, we had uh, two rounds of guess of uh, predictions. So first, we were going to guess the score, and then we had to come up with one more whatever it was to kind of just give us something to talk about. So first thing is the score line. Uh, the final score on Sunday was Seattle 26, San Diego 23. And when it came when it came to it, when it was clutch time, I just got to say, I got it right. I got it right. <laughs> right. Finally, finally. Oh, man. Good for, you. Time. Good for One you. Just time. Just to let you know, just to let you know, out of the 3,500 people, I think it was 3,426, but let's just round it up, right, that picked worldwide on Superbrew, although I got this one wrong, I finished – First in the world. And that's season long, right? That's yeah. the whole season. Yeah. Collectively, yeah. your Super Brute score was the highest or lowest, depending on how they count that. You you hacked something. <laughs> well, the cool thing about all these games and the more professional everything is, is that it's sort of easier to project games in the second half. And the people who are really behind, like they they reach for shit. Because, hmm. especially, like I saw Corey this. Here. In, I saw this in my money pool. Like when, <laughs> yeah. So like Corey's been reaching since like week four because he's been getting them really wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so like at a certain point, people like are so far behind they start reaching, trying to gain ground. And if you're smart and you're ahead, you you don't reach on picks because it's just like. Yeah, it was weird. Uh, Eighty four. Like, I was I was gonna say like it's kind of like being in debt, and you're just so in debt, you're just like buying the hundred dollar scratch tickets, being like, this has got to be the next one. <laughs> That's about right. <laughs> uh, it's depressing how uh, real that that talk is right there. <laughs> oh gosh. Okay. Think responsibly and don't spend your savings on scratch tickets. All right. Those are the two lessons we're giving you kids tonight on from EOD. <laughs> so the uh, scoreline predictions uh, again. The final was twenty six to twenty three. Seattle, uh, Aaron, you had Seattle. You had San Diego by two. Liam had San Diego by ten, and I had Seattle by ten. So none of us got it right. And I suppose actually, if you're doing an over under by points, Aaron may have actually been the closest to correct. Oh if gosh. you know up and uh, oh, anyway, hey, oh. well, if if you go to Vegas, the home team in football gets three points. I I explained this on Twitter. I was like, so if you're really taking this handicap I'm giving you, you would if you could get Seattle minus one, like at good at amazing odds, you could have made a bunch of money. Because I I think I talked to a bunch of people who are like Seattle fans. It's like it's got to be San Diego by seven, right? And I was like. What? It's like you guys think it's a try, a converted try difference? You, you think like that? That's the call, and wow, and, and it was definitely it was crazy, uh, you know. So yeah. So that was the first round. Um, the second round was, uh, like I said, free for all. So we each guessed something different. Aaron, you said uh, you thought there would be twenty penalties or more in the game, or twenty point. 
20 penalties or more. Yeah. Okay. And how'd you do on that one? Uh, not even close. There were 11. Okay. Uh, Liam, you had 1,600 collective meters gained. And the JP, one of the JPs, JT, would be named... JP Duplessis. Duplessis would be named MVP. How'd you do on your picks? Uh, none of them were correct. Or Actually, who, 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 who was, was the MVP, the MVP? So yeah. this was... This took me like all day, but today to get uh, JP Smith was named MVP of the oh. final. Oh yeah, yeah, but I meant JP Smith actually. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Apasai Nakatini was named MVP of the championship series. Okay, interesting. Uh, and then my pick was that the game itself would get a million plus viewers on CBS. So, and that one is still yet to be determined. So I guess we'll find out. Uh, all right. Uh, I think that does it guys for uh, game coverage. Did you have uh, anything um, else you wanted to say before you switch? Uh, yeah, so, so, so something we didn't touch on in, in the set piece was uh, the scrums for both teams. 100% completion rate on okay. both sides. Like if you if you were a if you were a scrummager, which I am, that I I did not. Wow, that was that was great. It was it was perfect. It it was it couldn't get any better than that. Uh, when San Diego had some dominating scrums, and then Seattle had some dominating scrums. It was it was it was great stuff. Great stuff there. Mm-hmm. I concur. Uh, yeah, like, like I said, 100% completion rate uh, in the scrum on both sides. And uh, not, not, not a ton of restarts, actually. I think there was less than eight restarts. I totally lost that part of the stat page. Um, but yeah, no, it was, yeah, great, great work in the set piece. All right. Uh, so, questions from Bob. So, as always, just want to point out that this is our regular. <laughs> Question and answer segment. Uh, we get these mostly from our Reddit page, and that's reddit.com slash r slash mlrugby. So be sure to hit that up every Monday night and uh, share your questions when we uh, post that thread. So the first up is actually from Colin45 asking about uh, broadcast numbers um, or viewership numbers. I think we've covered that one. So well, Colin – so. Point four rating. We don't know the the number of of I guess sustained viewers yet. So yeah. we'll wait for that to come through. So kind of skipping past that one. Uh, British Ent asks, how badly did Scott Green want to push or start pushing in the Seattle game winning mall? Uh, well, my answer is like at the 80th minute of a rugby game. And, uh, you know, Scott Green has was on that pitch all 80 minutes. He might not have been tackling and running with the ball, but it's certainly a workout. Uh, I wouldn't have wanted to do anything. I, I, I would have been content just to watch the mall and call the game. So I, I, I think Scott was I – think, I think, you know, he probably wants to play every now and again, but I think he was good. Uh, he, he is a number eight. So he probably he probably wanted to rip off his his blue blue jer- jersey and put on you know the green and blue of Seattle and just do it himself because that was that was new hotness. <laughs> and uh, related, 
uh, also from British Int, the redheaded uh, center for Seattle. How many beers did he drink for blocking that offload counterattack from his teammate? Georgie, Georgie Barton, the freaking Cabbage Patch Kid, man. I, I, said, I told him this on Sunday night. I was like, if you are not starting every single game at outside center for Canada in the World Cup, I'm going to have problems because, oh, my gosh, he has been amazing. Oh, shoot the boot. That's all I have to say. All right. Uh, SD Yeti. I think he's a San Diego fan. (laughs) How do you think anybody – how do you think anybody involved from either side of the border – raised or lowered their stock in their national team selectors eyes just based upon uh, this one most important of matches. Uh, Well, with the rugby world cup training roster already out, that's kind of hard to gauge, you know, whose stock, you know, may have risen or fell. Um, I think Sam Luching didn't, he didn't have the flashiest game, but uh, I think he solidified himself a little bit more as like just, a, you know, a pretty solid player, and I think there's a lot of people excited to see him on this on this squad. So, I'll I'll, I'll go with Samuching, I guess, in terms um, of raising stock. You look at, I mean, I don't think anyone's stock lowered, if that makes any sense. I think, yeah, that's was, that's kind of where I was at. I, I think there was some stock that got that got lifted. Um, Nakai Penny. Uh, in, in this game was really good. Uh, Reichert Hatting um, definitely raised his stock. Uh, I mean, he did get called in. Uh, well, I mean, Reichert is like one of the best players in the league and has been like all season. Oh, yeah. Or, like, it, could, could his stock have gone any higher just from one game? Well, you just go. He, last week, before the roster was published, he had a really good game. Roster gets published. He has another really good game. So I think that, you know, for for someone who was uncapped and just became eligible to be capped by the Eagles, uh, there was no letdown at all um, for him. So I, that's where I, I think Nick Boyer, uh, who may have you know raised his stock some, but he I don't believe he was called up. Maybe, maybe I'm unless I'm completely off here. Actually, I have that somewhere. Wait a minute. I think he was because there's eight guys on the Legion who were called up. I literally Ooh. closed the tab that had the whole training roster like two minutes ago because I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, I I have I have this whole thing like filtered from when I like get, did all the numbers for. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, guys, wasting <laughs> time. I just want to be correct here. I don't want to. If Nick Boyer, if I don't want to say that Nick Boyer wasn't called up, but I think at wing, he has really shown how versatile he is. Uh, let's see. Let's go to. Where's... Well, I mean, he's not, not only is he effective wing, he was one of the better scrum halves when he was, you know, rocking it. He was. He, oh, he, I mean, he was he was yeah, effective. Like, well, let's see here. Um, people listening to the on SoundCloud and Spotify are like, what the hell's going on with this long pause? That's why I'm just going to keep on. No, 
I, Nick yep, Williams, I do not see him. Yeah, he's he's not on the list. Well, um, one okay. one person who is on the list, uh, Jameson Faana Anna Schultz. Uh, people have inquired online as to how he was uh, U.S. eligible. So he has a father uh, from California, and thus he has a USA passport. So big shout out to uh, Schultzy baby. Congratulations on the selection. So yeah, that that would be one guy who I think may have uh, raised his stock towards selection. Should anyone become unhealthy uh, for for the PNC or the Rugby World Cup, because he has shown that he's very versatile uh, this season. Um, he can play ten nine uh, blindside wing. You know. He's he could probably slot in at center. He's the size of a six. So there you go. All right. Next up, Blur and Ski. Seeing as this season is over, it's never too early for next season predictions. So which three teams from each conference will miss out on playoffs and why? Ooh, it can it can always be too early, especially when we turn out to be wrong. Let's see. Um, in the West, uh, hard to hmm, hard to go against Liam's uh, Utah, Austin, and Glendale Glendale piece in the West. Although I oh, just go ahead and give it away and spoil my my prediction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In, in the East, I think it's interesting. I think Atlanta could could definitely make the playoffs because uh, maybe I'm just throwing all my eggs behind the Scott, Scott Lawrence hype train. Uh, yeah. So for my, my prediction, um, missing out on the playoffs from the East, DC, Atlanta, rugby, United, New York. Um, I, I, I'm, I was almost with that, with Aaron in that, you know, ATL, like they're, they're, they're looking to have some good pieces. They're looking to have a really good coaching structure. It's just if I pick against Nola, there's so many of their fans who are viewers of this show that I worry what it might do to our fan base. Uh, for the West, Utah, Austin, and Glendale uh, missing out on the playoffs. Uh, yeah, I, I'm 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 seeing that as pretty likely. I guess uh, we'll have to find out. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay, another one from Blur. Similarly, next year, there's going to be six games a week every week. So what are the arrangements, and what would you like the arrangements to be? I'm a little fuzzy on this one. I think, are we talking on uh, the broadcast? So the The term arrangements can mean a lot of things. The question... Like, I have an arrangement with my masseuse, for instance. (laughs) Uh, did did we get? I think so. CJ, the fan, sort of the question, sort of go into. It. I think it will be similar to this year. Uh, I think we've sh- given everyone the data that with our broadcast partners that we can have better windows for time. So I really think you're going to see a lot of a lot. It would be. I mean, we make things sort of difficult if you put all the games on Sunday, but college rugby really isn't a huge commercial product. So I think you'll see a lot of, since it's between five and six games a week, probably a lot of, like a lot of games on Saturday, something like a one, three, two split 
um, that varies between three and two on Sunday and Saturday that get flipped every so often. Yeah. Unless you were talking broadcast arrangements, I think there was a lot of, I guess, fan requests to go back to the way it was in season one, which is CBS, SN, and ESPN Plus, rather than NineNews.com. NineNews.com. Again, uh, we, we said this a few a few weeks ago. No no hate on NineNews.com. Thank you guys for carrying rugby. You know, hey, it, that was cool. I, I was I was about it. It was free. It was put on free. So mm-hmm. no problem there. It's just uh, central locations make life a little bit easier for the, the common fan. I am definitely not a common fan. <laughs> Yeah, uh, well, because well, when they when they talk about there's going to be six games every week, we're going to watch all six of those games every week, whether we want to or not. Um, I, the one thing I do know, there's only going to be one bye week per team. Um, you know, this is moderately unconfirmed, I guess you could say. So there's definitely going to be some stacking of games, I think, in certain time slots. So you just got to expect that. So while we're on the subject, uh, I am, think I'm just going to go ahead and skip ahead straight to CJ's question because it's absolutely related. Um, how So CJ the fan on Twitter or Seawolves fandom, how, me, how much do you know about the 2020 schedule? We so, believe it starts in February, Saturday, Sunday games. It starts uh, in February, yeah. um, <laughs> ends a little bit later. I think it ends the next week, really. Uh, I think that's what... It ends the last weekend in June. I might be completely wrong on there. Yeah. I th- and uh, uh, you're going to get Sunday games. If people don't like Sunday games, there's too many games to play them all on Saturday, and this is not the premiership. You're just going to get Sunday games because it's content to put on with your broadcast partners. Uh, I would like to see uh, just one game on Friday. That would be me. Uh, and I would like Friday night rugby a bit like Sunday night rugby to become those sort of like in, in, a, in effect, those commercial successes that the NFL has with like thir- not Thursday night football, but with uh, Sunday night football. So Sunday night rugby. So like, so like in the sense, like they make sure maybe they shouldn't put Utah versus Austin in a Friday night slot, but rather like, San Diego Rooney or like Seattle versus one of the other better teams. Yeah. 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 That would be really cool to be able to have flexibility with your broadcast timing to where, um, you know, midway through the season, like the NFL does how they switch the games around because certain teams are doing a whole lot better. Uh, Usually, you you can't do that with, say, Monday night football. You can't really move those around, but they move time slots usually on Sundays. If something changes for Sunday night football, you get get Sunday night football the better game. Mm-hmm. Especially with uh, playoff implication matches, too. So, Okay. Uh, back to the blur. X-Blade contract ends this year, I believe. I absolutely love the variation and individuality they've put into all the designs. Any idea if it's going to be a straightforward renewal or if they're going to or if they're going with one of the awful generic firms like Adidas? Um, I'm going to have to disagree in that 
all these uniforms are great and individual because they're just not. I mean, like obviously San Diego's got some as uh they had those like really cool white uniforms last year. I like the whole like you know Seattle skyline on the SeaWolves jerseys, but like, can you really tell me that Utah's jerseys look like are that great? Utah's like, jerseys last year were dope. Yeah, like those were awesome. And like Toronto, I cannot get over how much I hate Toronto's branding. Like nothing against the team, but I hate the uniforms. I hate the logo. Yeah, it's just just not good. Uh, I I I think I remember talking to Scott Green about the shorts. So you the the shorts fit interestingly. Like if you if they're really if you get the two big ones. They they show you they they make it look like you have a bit extra up front, which you know maybe for Scott Green that's that's not bad, because you know? <laughs> um, man, because uh, he's got some balls anyways. But uh, if you not as big as Joe yeah. Peterson's though, oh, no. no, Joe Peterson's <laughs> are hanging out the freaking shorts, dude. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it's like Zdeno Chara getting permission for a larger uh, for a larger <laughs> hockey stick. You know he has to get lo- longer shorts, but you don't really notice it all that much. <laughs> <laughs> then, but uh, I like the designs of like most of the teams. I, I wouldn't. I, I know that right now, uh, Canterbury. It looks like Canterbury is going to be at least in the uh, in the in the preseason. Um, Canterbury is is kidding out, and same with Adidas is kidding out DC and. What I want to see, and this is where it gets interesting, because if you look at the Free Jacks preseason stuff, it's unbranded. There's no brand on it. I have no idea who makes that stuff. And there's tons of manufacturers that are even domestic that you can get unbranded rugby kit. So, you know, I like, and Americans in general really like one kit supplier. That's what we do here. I don't, my, my personal opinion and this is like it's my personal opinion. I don't really want to see, uh, you know, twelve different kit suppliers in this league. Uh, whether that means we go to, you know, you take the whole league to Adidas or you take the whole league to Canterbury. I want cool uniforms like the Seattle skyline. That was like that is a great kit. Mm-hmm. I want stuff like that, or the the home whites of Nola. Those are really cool. Stuff like that. Uh, is, so I I don't know. I'm sure they're all in discussions because now X Blades has their brand pushed on national television in America. So who knows? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Bobby Digital Twenty Four. Which team has the most experience and who has the oldest average age players? I don't know. Aaron? Uh, Seattle was one of the uh, – Seattle – I think Seattle was the oldest team last year, and I think they might be the oldest team this year, to be honest. Um, I don't know. I haven't really thought about that. But all the teams have a young enough core – to where they can move out their old hands over time because some of these guys are definitely going to retire on every single team. Like there will be guys that do retire this off season that haven't announced retirement. I actually think I remember 
like down in Houston, them mentioning that they might like that they're one of the youngest teams in the league, if not the youngest. So, thanks a lot, um, Kieran. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I was gonna Ooh, say, I think uh, uh, Seattle or uh, New Orleans might have skewed it the other direction just because they had like. What was one dude like fifty or something ridiculous? Okay, like that? but they also Leave have other out and alone. They also have like twenty, kind of twenty three year olds too. So they're, I think they're kind of in the middle. Uh, yeah, you know, Silver Fox Taylor Howden actually isn't the oldest man on that team. That isn't would be t- Taylor's only like thirty six though, isn't he? Yeah, Hubert yeah. Biden's at thirty seven. He's the oldest guy on the New Orleans goal. Hubie doobie. So, <laughs> all right, Rocco six oh four. What happened to the Vancouver expansion? They were found frozen in a glacier, and it turns out that Brian Ray was chipping off it to put uh, ice in his drinks. <laughs> he, he, he he was the one who discovered him. He was like, "Holy shit!" Shiver me timbers there, eh? <laughs> that's I think that's accurate. I have like it's it, yeah. I don't know. Don't know. Yeah, we, we don't know what happened to the Vancouver expansion team. That's that's the answer right there. He's dead, Jim. Yeah, um hit up Brian Ray at Ray's Rugby on Twitter and bombard him with those questions. I'm sure he loves answering them twenty times a day. <laughs> <laughs> Final question of the night. At the real Ryan underscore H. This is a Twitter I, thank question. Thank God I thought it was the fake Ryan. I was like, not this asshole again. I, not yeah, this guy no. again. Sorry. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> it's after 10 o'clock. You can swear. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, okay. The real Ryan underscore H. Of the new teams in 2020, who do you think will hit the ground running and who will struggle? This is kind of similar to what we asked earlier, actually. New England has a really good core of local talent, um, and they have they have more signees coming. It's it's a pretty attractive destination right now for a team. I think, uh, yeah. So I think I think New England's going to be having seeing success early on on the pitch, or at least you know just as much success as uh, as Rooney or Toronto uh, experience. And uh, I believe DC is going to struggle the most right out of the gate. Um. Yeah, I think uh, just based on what I've seen, I think DC will get a lot of people in the gate, but they will struggle out of the gate. Kind of like Utah, great, you know, great, <laughs> yeah. great turnout of the games. Yeah. I mean, Utah, Utah gets tons of people out. Like they do a great job up there. That's probably one of the. I think I think I said this to some guys. I was like. There's probably one team that could that has a history, not the team itself, but the state has a history of packing Rio Tinto uh, with thousands of people for a college game. So if Utah was somehow in the final and this thing was held at Rio Tinto, you it would have been off over, the chain. You would have gotten over ten thousand people. It would have been it would have been cool. Um, but it also would have been deafening. So, yeah, right. Um, I, they. They 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 have cowbells. They hand out cowbell. They handed out cowbells in season one, and they handed out cowbells in season two. So, uh, because not a single person in all of sports finds cowbells annoying. It's just <laughs> universally loved everywhere. Um, yeah. Were, were uh, there vuvuzelas at the uh, 
game yesterday. Yeah, so they Vuvu Wada? Vuvu Zelas. It's like uh they were sold at the uh South Africa World Cup a couple years ago. What are they? Uh they're like horns that you go Oh, those, those things, yeah. They didn't have as many drums this time. Um which I will say, as far as creating a really awesome environment when Brock Staller went up to kick and you suddenly saw 2,000 thumbs be stuck out and down, that was a super cool picture. That was awesome. Uh, we had another question on the Twitters, Corey. I'm going to pull this up, guys. From Isaac, oh, I missed one. From Isaac Anderson, I think. From Yeah, Isaac Anderson. Um uh, when roughly will the 2020 schedule be released? Uh, November-ish? I think it was October, right? Last year? Is that about right? It's been it's been released internally. Or well, I well I don't think it's really done. I, I, it's not solidified, but I, but preliminary versions of it. I was just just based on conversations I was having. This, thing, this thing's cool. gonna get this thing's gonna get. Well, I mean, the last one was also done pretty early too, mm-hmm. and then uh. You know, as things go, things change all the mm-hmm. freaking time. So I, th- but I think it was like the external release was, was October last year. So I think look for Octoberish release is well after the World Cup. Let's let's go with that. It, it before that the sense. rise of Skywalker, it will be released. There we go. Uh, yeah. So there'll be one thing we have to look forward to in that season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, All right. Is that it guys? Yeah. Um, Holy yeah. crap. I think it is. All right. Final thoughts. What do you want to share? Uh, so I will be on the ground to cover the super series. Uh, two, two of the five, I guess, rounds the 28th, which is a Friday Wow, that's going to be a crazy day. We're going to drop. We're going to get up at five, drive straight to Chola Vista to watch the England versus USA game, and then I think it's France versus New Zealand is the second game. And then on a long weekend, the Fourth of July weekend, I'm going to go see my parents in LA, and then we'll drive down to San Diego and see the women play. No, the USA women are on a bye, but we will see that the the second round of the super series so we'll get some uh get some ladies slash women slash girls i mean some of them some of these young women i guess would be referred to as girls because you've got some very young and talented uh collegians uh on this uh on the training squad for for the women's super series and i think i don't know we'll we'll figure it out internally if we're back next week to sort of cover the world cup stuff but we'll, we'll get that out especially uh, we're going to take a break. Uh, we'll try to get you some interview stuff, but uh, we need to take like three weeks off. So. Yeah. Yeah, I think we could all use a break. I need to sleep for like three days. Um, I, I went to northern New England for the la- for a few days, like, you know, trapeze throughout Vermont, New Hampshire, and Maine and stuff like that. And my body just needs me to stop moving and watch some blacklist. And Ooh. that's what I intend to do. Another question. Um, from a member of the EOD family, the the Earful of Dirt Enterprise, uh, from our the Cabal, the, the Cabal, you know, one of the hosts of Amla Mele Rugby Podcast, Rugby on Espanol, 
uh, Rafael Delgadillo uh, asks, was this final the best rugby game ever played on U.S. soil? Uh, Ooh, uh... As far as senior rugby is concerned, like not college? Huns versus Huns versus Nyack, uh, two years ago. Um, th- no, not even close, mm, man. Not I don't missed. know. I thought I thought I thought that was a great game. Um, yeah. So I, I would say domestic American games. I mean, this was this was as good as you could get for a quality and intensity level of game. I can't really. I would say yeah. Um, because the only games that might be better than this were in the 80s in the Michelob Cup. And I wasn't alive. There you go. Yep. I wasn't oh, no, well, paying attention. Well, okay, domestic... Scotland-US. Uh... So domestic rugby. So domestic rugby. Scotland-US was the greatest test match played on US soil by the, by the, by the Eagles. So there, there is a difference. For all we know, there was like an untelevised like D two game somewhere far in the mountains of the Midwest, or there's no mountains in the Mad- Midwest. There's not somewhere wait, in the wait, wait. the the tape of the first pro rugby game. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> 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 Doug Schrodinger's vault <laughs> with all the money he was supposed to pay players. Oh, oh, so yeah, um, yeah, we. We're going to take some type of break. I don't know if we'll be back next week, but we will give you content from the Pacific Nations Cup and some content for the Super Series. Uh, if you are in SoCal or if you are going to SoCal for some summerish times, uh, I highly encourage you. Uh, it is quite The Super Series is quite affordable. Uh, on a per-day basis, you get two test matches for $19 uh, in each round. So... You're in San Diego, uh, and you're a rugby fan. Support the ladies. Support the, the women. I'm I'm gonna get sh- smacked for I don't know. Some people. I don't. I don't know. <laughs> All right. Uh, thank you, Aaron. Tired. For plug. <laughs> uh, Liam, enjoy the blacklist. Aaron, enjoy the super series. Uh, so, quick, a uh, couple quick housekeeping things. Quick reminder that once again we are uh, hosting this fundraiser. Uh, just for the next few weeks. And like I said, we just really appreciate you guys supporting us and buying in and helping us with what we do. Uh, but we're going to keep doing what we do, uh, whether you're able to chip in or not. So don't worry. This is not a, oh my God, we're going to shut down next week if you don't give money. We're still going to be here doing our thing. We're just asking uh, our friends to to kind of help carry that weight a little bit. So please consider donating if you have a chance to. And... Uh, I think that's it. On our way out, please note, all opinions expressed on this broadcast are those of the hosts and the guests and do not necessarily reflect the beliefs or practices of Major League Rugby teams or the league. Aaron Castro is employed by Major League Rugby and Liam Poach is employed by the West Houston Lions and the Houston Sabercats. Be sure to tune in next week. Uh, We will probably be live on YouTube Monday night and available on your favorite podcast platform each and every Wednesday morning. If you like what we do, please subscribe to our YouTube and iTunes feeds. It helps other folks find us and be sure to uh, share your own news, views and abuse with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Uh, 
Thank you so much for listening. And uh, until we see you again, well, uh, if there's rugby to be found, go out and find it. Take care, everybody. Thank you for listening to Earful of Dirt, the Major League Rugby Podcast. We're live each Monday night on YouTube, available for download every Wednesday morning through your favorite podcast provider, and always online at earfulofdirt.com. Subscribe to our channel on YouTube and like us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can share your thoughts with us via our voicemail by calling 720-600-2679. We're live again next Monday at 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific. We'll see you then.